or MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I am co-founder of Financing Solutions. Uh, Financing Solutions provides easy-to-set-up lines of credit for small businesses, and I will be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. If you're interested in learning more about a line of credit for your business, please go to fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Over the last 25 plus years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies that have made the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience, and today I am extremely excited to be speaking with Oren Klopper from NetSurit. And um, before we get to Oren, uh, I just talk about our, our, our uh, sponsor for today. Our sponsor is TMG, which is uh, Technology Management Group. They, for the last 30 years, have been um, specializing in cybersecurity. And, um, you know, that there are very few companies that have been doing cybersecurity for 30 years. And, you know, anybody who's gotten attacked, if you haven't gotten attacked yet, you're lucky. It could really cause some serious issues. You know, several years ago, uh, we got attacked and we were lucky that we had really good backups. Um, so if you have any issues in regards to cybersecurity, any concerns, questions, issues, looking for software, take a look at their website and give them a call. It's cyberctrl.net is their wipe is their website again cyberctrl.net. Um so I'd like to welcome our guest today and it's a crazy story because um you know I get a lot of times people um uh, organizations and PR people um emailing me about coming on the entrepreneur MBA podcast. And, you know, I get this uh, email from, uh, you know, uh, uh, a PR uh, person and it's, uh, it's someone who I, I, I've known, oh, I knew, uh, we went to birthing of giants together. Uh, geez. 2007. Yeah. 2000. You've got a good memory. <laughs> I don't know. I was about to say 20 years ago. Well, I was close. Right. Um, <laughs> And Birthing of the Giants was this amazing three-year program that was run through um, at MIT, um, uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and it was co-sponsored between Inc. Magazine and um, an entrepreneur organization, EO. And they basically, you applied, and if your company was like this fast-growing company, you were selected into about a group of 50 to 60 people for a three-year program to, you know, really dive into um, entrepreneurship. And it was a one-week program. And it's amazing the people that went and how well everybody, I mean, we have people uh, that built a billion-dollar company. Um, We have Oren did, uh, you know, uh, our guest today, Oren did extremely well with his company. You know, uh, there's just a number of people that all did super, I mean, like 90% of the people in the group did incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, the, you know, that person that the PR person sent over to us was Oren Klopper, who I'm welcoming today. Uh, and, the, you know, a little bit of a guest bio on Oren. He's the CEO of NetSurit, 
it's it's a forty million dollar uh, firm. Um, he's grown it to over a hundred people, and he's uh, now look you know been doing acquisitions and organic growth. Uh, he's a Microsoft partner and orchestrated three acquisitions through that period. Um, he's proud to say he went to nine schools as a kid and he only got expelled from three. Uh, and uh, you know, he, he, he's bi-coastal. So he, I, I think that's correct. Oren, right. Between New York and South, uh, South Africa. Correct. And the company is incorporated in where? A Delaware. In Delaware. So, and your primary, so let's talk about NetServe and what it does. Yeah, sure. Um, NetShirt is a it's a what's called a managed services business. Uh, we either are the IT department or we augment the IT department for our customers. Um, and our ideal customer profile, Steve, is uh, twenty five to a thousand user uh, environments, um, manufacturing, uh, financial services, healthcare, and we have. We have quite a lot of other industries that we have experience in. And, um, yeah, we're looking for organizations, typical customers that have, that put uh, strategic importance on the role technology can play in the success of their business. So would, would people typically come to you because they don't have, they're, they're not big enough to have a CIO um, and they, they, they have technology needs, but they just don't want to, they just need somebody to manage that. Is that what the, the primary role is? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's very typical. So give you an example. Just take the Microsoft Office 365 stack as an, uh, that most of our customers use. The rate at which Microsoft adds functionality that can have a direct impact in your, on your productivity is so quick. And there is so much value there that just as a technology services company, we struggle to keep up with it and optimize the use of it internally. So there's a massive opportunity for customers, I think, to find a partner that can help them make the most of the technology they're already investing in. And that's the space we position ourselves in. Gotcha. So, so when clients say, I want, when they want to come to you, or not clients, but when prospects say, you know, they, they're looking yes. at your company, what, what is their primary reason? So it could be from uh, they've really experienced very bad service from their existing managed service provider. Um, they could have had uh, a, an incident where a backup has been lost or a cybersecurity breach. Um, or they've kind of heard uh, about our Innovate offering, which is really leveraging um, the Microsoft technology stack, Office 365, and the Power Platform stack, where we, so it's example, $5,000 a month, we will find $60,000 of ROI in a 12-month period, or we carry on working until we do, because a lot of these companies have invested in this technology, but they're not they're, they're not really making the most of it in an optimal way. And take, for instance, Microsoft's co-pilot offering, which is due to be released quite soon, that plugs directly into Office 365. So we've already invested heavily in understanding how customers can use that to their advantage. So those are kind of some of the scenarios. So I'm going to ask you um, a percentage question. I don't know if it's a guess because I just have a, a hunch on this where I would where, where I would be on this. But um, what percentage of your clients, your prospects come to you and become clients and the CEO has the foresight 
of saying, we are going to really utilize technology to beat our competitors versus the other percentage that says things are always breaking, falling apart, and you know they're trying to play catch up. Which percentage, I, I, I have a guess, but what percentage of your clients are actually so foresighted that they say, this is a competitive advantage for us to be more productive from a technology standpoint. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go with Orin's company, um, you know, NetSurit. It's a great question and I'll guess, but I, I'd love to take this back into my team and get a perspective from them. I'm guessing 40% have yeah. that perspective. Yeah, I was going to say 20, but that I agree with you. And so I guess even from a, <laughs> I'm not trying to give you advice. I would look for those clients that they're making so much money that they just don't, you know, the industry related, like the finance, fi- you know, the financial industry, those guys are making really good money, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they can say, hey, this is a competitive advantage for us to use technology, yep. right? And that's why you're so, that's one of the- And fast growth. Yeah, fast companies growth. growing quickly and they're being stretched and challenged just to deliver on their core business and what they are, have built real core competence in, they know that technology can enable and support that fast growth. And plus it's, it's easier to- improve the productivity of the people you have and go find more people. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And automation is a massive opportunity in that. And we're very, very good at automation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good stuff. All right. I like it. Kind of. All right. So let's get into our topic today. Um, now, like, like me and like, like Oren, who's got, you know, 20 plus years of experience doing, you know, entrepreneurship, he could talk about so many different topics and, you know, before we got on, um, we kind of got a, I haven't spoken to Oren in, in a long time. And so I got an update. And so what, you know, we kind of, you know, a lot of times I do this with my guests and I kind of um, heard Oren, I think one of the things that his company has in a, the, uh, it's really their advantage, one of their key advantages, company culture, right? And, you know, everybody talks about company culture. I actually, you know, I talked to my, my sons about company culture and what that really means. So today we're going to talk about why and how company culture is so important because you've, I've mentioned it so many times. Oren, when did you first think that company culture was really important? Yeah, I suppose when we were smaller, it happened organically. We were just deeply connected and we loved that. And then I think in 2004, I realized that if we were going to build something significant and, and, and truly a great organization, we needed a culture that would encourage people to be balanced and a culture that uh, kind of believed in the idea that your personal and work lives are inextricably linked and that a workplace that celebrates that and lets that live in the line management relationship will be more successful. It might not be for everybody because there's some cynical people who don't think that the work life and personal life are inextricably linked. Uh, We do. And that was in 2004. And there were a couple of things that happened in that year that kind of made me realize that. 
And I think, Steve, if I look at my own balance, I think I only really became balanced in 2007. So it took me myself to realize, okay, if I'm going to deliver and be the best CEO I can, I actually need to be balanced. I need to be healthy. I need to be active and present in the important relationships in, in my life. Yeah. And just so everybody know, in my opinion, you have a company culture. It's, it's rather, have, have you defined it? Do you enforce or reinforce it? Or is it just, did it just happen by default? Yeah. So, you know, like Oren, I strongly believe in company culture and let's talk about the, you know, let's make this simple so people understand company culture is the personality of your company. That's what it is. Okay. And by the way, it is always stems from the top. It, it, the owner for, it's amazing. No matter how big a company gets, the company culture starts at the top. So if you look at Steve Jobs company, you know, Apple, you know, his, you know, his company's culture is built around perfection of innovative design. And, and if you look at the history of Steve Jobs, where he went to school and the courses he took and what he was interested in, it was perfection of, of industry design. So anyway, so, you know, it, it, it can define your company, you know. Um, now, you, you, you say in around 2004, you started, uh, if you had to define your, well, you should I'd be able to tell us what is your company culture? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's if I look at our purpose, supporting the dreams of the doers, it talks to one of the key aspirations of our cultures, and that is where we want to support our people in achieving their goals and dreams in their lives, supporting our people in living their best lives whilst doing truly great work in a meritocratic culture. And, you know, if, you, if I look at kind of books that I've read and think like what talks to the dynamic of culture and organization, because you can performance measure sales, you can performance measure profit, you can performance measure staff uh, or customer satisfaction, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's hard to performance measure culture. And uh, Peter Bloch's book, Community, really was deeply insightful for me because I think culture is more of a community-based leadership. And it's in its heart, it's actually, there's an element of it which comes from the values that come out of the leadership team. But I think there's a whole lot of powerful culture that happens that is decentralized. So Culture for us, obviously, there's a, a values connection to it, but it's around this idea that your work life and your personal lives are inextricably linked and that uh, we've programmatized this uh, idea in the form of a dream book, which is your top 10 personal goals and dreams visualized. So we have over 300 people. We have over 300 dream books that are completed each year. You get put into a dream, book, a dream group, Steve, which is modeled on forum on the way forum works, you meet once a month in your dream group. There's a dream coach, which is like a forum moderator. The dream coaches are trained and it creates a connectedness um, that there's something that happens when I share with another, another person my, my real, who I really am and what I really want in my life. It creates a connection. And uh, there's something in that, in our culture and the aspirations of our culture that has created a glue 
with the fast growth that we've gone through. So, you know, we were Inc. 5000 last year and we're Inc. 5000 this year. And uh, that the, the culture is kind of keeping the glue on the back of this very, very fast growth. Well, I think you can measure it in two ways. One would be, and I'm sure you, th- you know the thought of this, but employee turnover mm. and customers and employee satisfaction, right? Yes, and- so that would be the way to measure it. If you are below the benchmark of, you know, uh, I guess if you're below 3% turnover, then it means that what you're doing with the uh, dream, what's it called? Dream work or dream? Dreams program. Dreams program works, right? Um, so yeah. that would be a. I think anything could be measured. It's just a matter of kind of figuring out what that 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 could be. Um, yeah. So so let's let's so let's let, let me put this in my own words so that everybody, all our listeners, um, based on what you're talking about. So you how you will have your employees. They get together uh, in a group at with other employees. And in that group, there's a format for helping everybody achieve their goals in and out of work. Is that true? Yes. And how many people are in a group? Anywhere between six to 12. And who facilitates it? A, a dream coach. So someone volunteers from within the group to be the dream coach. They get trained. And then you kind of have a dream coach uh, elect that would follow them once they've done their year of leading that dream group. And um, what have you seen the benefits of it are? I mean, I know there are, it's obvious, but what did you tell me? What you, what have you seen the benefits first? Let's just talk it about from not the business side of it. Let's talk about from the, the um, personal side. What's sure. been the benefits? Look, I think in in our working day, how do we find real meaning? And what the program brings, I believe, is the epicenter of, of meaning in what you do on a day-to-day basis. And that is that in some way you are supporting your, one of your colleagues or a bunch of your colleagues in achieving what they really want in their life. So there's, there's a meaning in that, that that for me carries a lot of value. And for those people that this resonates in our culture, it really carries, carries a lot of value. And then I think not unlike an EO forum or a YPO forum, we advocate the idea of experience sharing. And what you'll find in these dream groups is, is different ages of people that have gone through different stages in life and have faced different challenges and achieved different goals. So that experience sharing uh, is, is really powerful uh, as you navigate, you know, like you have your first child or, you know, you're, you're, you're contemplating, uh, you know, uh, buying your first home or you're contemplating retirement or whatever it might be. Those different uh, life experiences are, are, really, are really valuable. And I think what's also very powerful is what it brings is a different level of connectedness. So I did um, a Dream Connect with one of our team members in, in Poland earlier today. And I've never, never sat, I've never met her in person. And um, we, uh, you know, we did a Dream Connect today. And 
it just, you know, so we were very in-office culture, Steve, but pre, pre-pandemic, pre-COVID. Uh, and, and we've now embraced, embraced this idea of work from anywhere. And in that, what connectedness did we lose? So we're doing this Dream Connect. So we encourage people to do between two to four Dream Connects a month. And that the idea is connect with someone for 30 minutes or an hour you don't work with on a day-to-day basis. If you want, share your dream book and just chat and meet each other and connect. And so I had this discussion with Victoria earlier today, um, and it was just its amazing. She's in Poland. I heard some about her life. Uh, you know, it was just, you know, so I think that brings, um, brings another level of, of joy and connectedness uh, to, to, to your work journey and life. Now, from a business standpoint, what have you seen it do for your company? So it's helped us to find and keep great people. And I say that, uh, I'll add a but, but it's not for everybody. Because, you know, I remember when we first, we first, ended, <laughs> we first bought a business in New York. And I remember, you know, that uh, it didn't go well. Let me put it this way. We made every mistake you could. It was 2016. We made every mistake you could imagine except go out of business. And I kind of heard that some of the people were saying, yeah, this is nature's way of getting into your personal life and manipulating you and, and, and prying. I mean, I know one of, the new, one of the customers in New York <laughs> said to me, one of our contacts said, if you ever tell my CEO about this, okay, and he <laughs> I will make sure you get fired because I don't want anything to do with the program like yeah. this, you know. I mean, another one, part of our take on of new customers, we tell them about our dreams program. And I, I remember the one feedback was, well, I'll never get that hour back, you know. So, <laughs> so it's not for everybody, right? You go to Glassdoor, you'll see some reviews. Yeah, this dreams program, they said it was optional, but it's more like a cult. So it's not for everybody. Yeah. But where it resonates it creates a glue that is next level. And we have a lot of boomerang people where they leave and then they come back because they love the connectedness. So finding and keeping great people is the single greatest benefit that we've achieved from the program. And uh, that in turn enables us to do great stuff for our customers. And then the next one I, I would love to just elaborate on is when we acquire another business which is part of our growth model we're looking to keep the key leaders to travel the journey with us we don't want to change the soul of what's already there if anything we want to protect that what are their rituals what are some of their cool things that they do and let that continue and nurture it we just bring the layer of our culture in which is best represented by the Dreams program. Um, and it brings that extra level of connectedness. When you, um, God, I got so many questions, but uh, when you acquired companies, um, do you implement the Dream um, a format with them? Yes. Yes. And, and um, have you seen more pushback because those people didn't sign up for it originally? No, so um, we've done four acquisitions over the last two years. The one acquisition, there was pushback, and it came primarily from the leader, which we didn't understand until we got probably uh, further into it. And all the others have just embraced it. So my dream group, the, the guy that leads my dream group, 
is based out of our team in New Jersey. And uh, that, that, that business we acquired, they just embraced it and jumped on. They're like some of the best participants. The business, uh, the b- other business we bought, we didn't even, we generally give it time for them. To, we generally give six months to 12 months before we kind of bring the dreams program, unless they're asking for it. The CEO of that business we bought, we closed the deal in December of 2021. By January 2022, he sent his dream book to me. We didn't ask him. We didn't like he just loves it. He thinks like that. He's wired in that way. Yeah, you know, so I'm trying to think of his name right now, but there was a guy that you and I went to the birthing of giants with. He was out of um, Florida. Um, I don't uh he um he uh he owned a, a healthcare staffing company. Um Jason. No, it wasn't Jason, but I know Jason, of course. And I can't think of his name right now. I think I met him at Birthing of Giants, but yeah. Anyway, um, he had given me this idea similar to what you were talking about. And I, since I was 21, I developed this process called a life plan. And I don't want to get too much details on it, but what had happened was I was working for Xerox and that was my first eight and a half years of my career. I was working for Xerox and they came up with this corporate plan and, and inside of that corporate plan, they had their, their mission, their purpose, their culture. And then you had to put it, they had their goals and then you had to put in your goals and how you were going to achieve your goals. So I was like, Oh, this is pretty good. I like this. I can, I can apply this to my personal life. That's and cool. so I, yeah, so I took that and over every year since then, you know, over 30 years, I tweaked it. I add things. If I read something I really like, you know, I, like I added a section called core competencies, which I, helped me identify what my own core competence. So I, I tweaked it anyway. So I looked at this and I said, this is a while ago. I said, you know what? This might be really good with, you know, the people who are working for me. And, and then I had talked, I can't think of his name right now. And I talked, he started doing something where he had his employees share with him what they wanted out of their goals or where they were headed. Like you said, maybe they wanted to buy a house or, you know, maybe they um, were going to have a kid or maybe they're going to get married Mm -hmm. or, you know, all the other stuff. So I started having everybody fill out a life plan and I asked them if they were, if they wanted to share it with me in our meeting, you know, just one-on-ones and we'd go out to lunch and I'd say, you know, they, if they wanted to great, if they didn't, I had more experience. And so, and, and if I had more contacts, so if there was something they were trying to do, I would, you know, try to point them in the right direction or give them some, some advice. And, you know, the, the purpose was twofold. One of them was to, you know, for, for me to get closer to my employees and, and to help them. And at the time there was this big transition going of no longer a separation between work and life anymore. Yes. So that, you know, when I worked for Xerox, you worked and then you had your life. Yes. And, um, you know, 15 years later after, you know, I started working for Xerox, um, that, that whole, thought process changed and employees lives are integrated with their work. So it was something similing to what you're, you're doing. It's exactly the same. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're, you you're just programmatized it in a couple of different ways, but the heart of it is the exact same thing. And, 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 and my thinking is that any great leader or manager would want to know what their people really want in their lives. Well, I think if you care about your people, you, you know, that's, that's what it ends up happening. By the way, one of the changes too was in my second company, which is when you, you knew more me, Orin, I had this company called Expert Seeker, which placed technology consultants in Fortune 500 companies. And then I started this other company called Healthcare Seeker, uh, which placed registered nurses at hospitals throughout the United States on long-term temporary assignments. When I went from Expert Seeker, I, I, I did not like the people who worked for me at Expert Seeker. And when I started Healthcare Seeker, I said, this is all have to change. I want to hire people that I like, that I, you know, that I've done a good job of venting, vetting, so on and so forth. And I really want to get to know them. And I want to really enjoy the people I work with. And in order for me to do that, I, I have to give back more. You know, so that I, I remember that transition. It's more complicated than that. The thing that I wanted to make sure our listeners know is, see, like Oren's plan with Dreams is very, very far along, right? And I think Oren, when I hear what you're saying, I as a even as just a listener, I'm like, wow, that's like so um, advanced. I don't think as a listener. If you are running your company, you don't have to go to Orange Extreme yet because he's really been doing it a long time. Is that fair? Yeah, we've been doing it since 2008. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you walked away for this conversation saying, you know, maybe I need to have one more one-on-one conversations with my people, you know, that, that would be a nice start. Yeah, I think that's such a simple way of 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 taking away something super easy and actionable. Let me ask you, if, if, a, if a owner of a company that you were acquiring was completely against this. Wouldn't do the deal. You wouldn't do the deal. <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and it's interesting because from what I've read, I haven't acquired any companies, but from what I had always read is often the acquisition fails because of company culture. Yes. And so by doing the dreams program, you are identifying that the company that that's going to, you're going to be buying is a cultural fit because they're, they're, they want to do it. Yes. Yes. How, how, by the way, how do you go about identifying people to acquire? We have two um, bar side advisory firms that find us opportunities and then we're getting a lot of referrals because um, I think the, there is an element of us that is, that is resonating um, and people that like what we're doing are referring us. So we're actively you know, uh, paying companies to find us opportunities, but we're getting referrals as well. And the companies that you're looking to acquire, they are – in the existing business of IT outsourcing? Yes, that's it. So it's managed are, service providers. And are there, are any of those, have you been looking at companies that bring you outside of that scope at all? Yes. Do something else? Have yes. you done any acquisitions like that? One. And, and what did they do? 
they they have deep SharePoint and Microsoft Power Platform and oh. coding skills, and they're automation experts. Uh, massive in- opportunity to drive automation in our customer base. That um, the the Victoria who I did the Dream Connect with this morning, she's from the, that business we acquired. Were they in Poland or is she just in Poland? Uh, it's the business based in in well Poughkeepsie, um, but they had they, they always had a team in Poland. Gotcha. So with with the um, where do you do most of your work? Our customers. Yes. Um, across uh, uh, across the the northeast, New Jersey, New York, and and Brunswick, uh, Maine. That's kind of the main areas. But we have customers on the west coast. We have, we have smatterings of I'd say seventy percent of our customers currently are in that geography, and then thirty percent is we're servicing from uh, you know across the U.S. What what percentage of your employees actually just work from their home versus an office? Over 90%. 90%. Now, is that because- It used to be 30% during the pre-pandemic. Wow. And those 90% don't want to go back to an office? We don't want them to go back to the yeah, office. I know. <laughs> yeah. No, like think about it like this. So if our key aspiration is that you live your best life, and you used to spend an hour traveling into our Manhattan office every day, okay? And now you're saving two hours a day. If I make you come back into the office, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually going against our purpose. Who can give you two hours a day? Who? How can you find two hours a day? It's crazy. These guys are exercising more. They're seeing more of their family. They're being more productive. It's like we will never, ever force people to go back to the office. Never. Yeah, I, um, I get it. I get it. I, uh, I could play a little bit of devil's advocate Do a little it. bit. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you two scenarios. The first one is um, I just listened to this amazing podcast um, on, uh, on this, by this guy named Sam Harris, but he's, he's the, he's the um, guy who does the interview. And he had the Surgeon General of the United States on there and talking about um, uh, loneliness and how um, it's a, a major epidemic right now going on. And um, he would attribute some of that to people saying that they're working out of their home and um, and some of them do not have the traditional spouse, family mm, around them. Mm, and, yeah. uh, and so it, you know, um, so that was one. And the other one is I have a 23 year old son who, who wa- works for Wells Fargo as a software engineer, uh, works for the data science division. And he said when he was looking for a job that if the job was 100% remote, he would not take it because he wants to be around people. Now he doesn't want to, he doesn't mind it if it's three days a week in the office or two days a week in the office and then the rest. But if he's another example of somebody who uh, is, doesn't have, he doesn't live home. He lives in Hoboken, New Jersey, but he, um, he, he's another example of someone who says, I, this isn't for me. Now, I'm sure down the road, maybe when he gets married, if he gets married, um, kids, he'll appreciate it. Um, so what, what, do you, what have you found in those areas? 
What's the name of that podcast, Steve? The Sam Harris? It's called Making Sense. Uh, Sam Harris and um, – and, um, Loneliness. Yeah, it was on loneliness. Let's see if I, I still have it. I'll, I'll take a listen. It was, it was really, really good. Um, I thought it was excellent. Um, so, but I can see where that dream program that you have could help somebody with that. You know, yeah. Could, go ahead. Yeah, so I suppose, you know, when you look at the Dream Connect, so your dream group is one nucleus, and then the Dream Connect, where if you're lonely, you can literally – have you can connect with as many people as you like but i think there's part of the glue and momentum that we're experiencing right now that is still leaning on the fact that we were so connected and we did spend so much time together so i think coming in as a new person into nature today it the the, the dynamic of your son probably does apply where some maybe some people wouldn't want to want to join so what do we do you can go work at the office so we've got an office in every region that we are geographically located and some people do they go we just don't force anybody to go yeah um and then we are doing more social get-togethers what that balance is we haven't yet landed on that but um I, I love that perspective uh, and, and I appreciate you putting that out. Um, I haven't heard that feedback from my team, but it might very well be why. Well, it's, it's a touchy, touchy subject, I know. Like, and I could see what the Dreams group would, would really help out. I mean, like I, I was telling Oren before he, he got on and, and some of our listeners, I maybe mentioned it once or twice, but two years ago, I, I lost my wife uh, unexpectedly. She passed and... Uh, and so I'm struggling with uh, loneliness right now, um, not just, you know, just in general. So that's one of the reasons why I was listening to the podcast. But if I was in a group, you know, like it's really hard for a majority of people. I'm, I'm not one of those people, but it's really hard for a majority of the people to get involved in something that gets mm. them in a, you know, a tennis group or, uh, or a, you know, reading group or a Bible group, or it's, it's not normal. It's for people to go do stuff like that. And, and yet that's the thing that I think it's relationships, which makes your life, um, ex- excellent. Right. Mm. If without those relationships, then, uh, we're social creatures. Mm. And so I could see with the dreams group, like if I was in the dreams group, I'd say, you know, guys, I'm really lonely right now. And then my, and my group I'm sure would say, have you tried this? Have you thought about this? What, you know, you're really interested in rowing. Why don't you, you know, have you thought about joining a, a, a rowing club and stuff like that? And it helped mm. get it, get me outside of my traditional thinking, you know? And, um, you know, I'll, I'll, before I uh, kind of wrap this up, I'll, I'll tell you a story. There's, uh, Oren, are you familiar with Meetup? Yes. Yeah. So, so Meetup started by a guy after nine uh, eleven happened, and he felt that um, as a society we were not talking to each other enough, and so he felt that having 
people be able to meet up into a group would help stop other 9-11s from happening so that we could understand each other's culture. Hmm. And, um, and so, you know, uh, this is way back in, in, you know, 2001. So uh, that this all came about, you know, about uh, groups and stuff like that. And I think to me, um, people who are working uh, remotely, um, I think it's a problem. You know, I think it's a problem. Yeah. So where do you think Dreams is headed next? If you had to say, this is our next evolution of Dreams, where do you think it's headed? So I would love to um, include in our budget that the Dream Groups could do a retreat every year. Yeah. And partially fund that. Um, so that, 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 uh, that would be amazing. Um, and, uh, I would love, you know, the one dynamic about being a good coach as a leader is I think you're a better leader if you know how to coach people yeah. and being, and learning to be a good dream coach, I think makes you a better leader. Yeah. Um, I would love to put more budget into a nomination process where you can, in your dream group, you can nominate to make someone's dream come true. Yeah. And, yeah. and then like, for instance, it's <laughs> wondering what you're looking for. That's his daughter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cookie daddy's busy. Sorry. <laughs> Her little princess guy. outfit, huh? Yeah. No, she wears these princess outfits. It's so much. <laughs> they literally fall apart. Yeah. You know, like we have to hide. That's precious. What I hope from the economies of scale, we can leverage, we find additional budget to invest and pour more into this program because oh, well. it's, um, yeah, it just feels deeply meaningful and, and it's fun. Yeah. And if you did it, it would also potentially solve that issue, which I'm talking, well, I'm not saying it's an issue, but the, that we want to be more connected and, um, you know, the idea behind the remote work, uh, you know, you might be accomplishing two goals with doing that. Um, even if you had a company retreat and then everybody separated at that point into their yes. groups, right? So, no, so, so, I mean, I just want to thank you for, for bringing this perspective up because I've never kind of heard it explicitly sort of stated like that. And, um, yeah, I, I, it excites me that how do we leverage the dream group to make people spend more time together, uh, connect. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you yeah, for well, challenging yeah. me on that. You know, ideas I can come up with. <laughs> <laughs> executing them like I usually can too, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting old. So, you know, I'm getting toward the tail end of my career, not in the beginning. So um, it's fun stuff. I really like what you're doing. And I really like the discussion about culture. I really believe it. I think it's a competitive advantage. I, I really do. I think if you identify your culture and you really work on it and you know it and everybody knows it and you really, you hire into it. I, I keep saying that to everybody that it's a competitive advantage. You know, you are competing against other companies and whether it be technology about what Oren does, you know, his company does a competitive advantage or your culture, you know, those are things that make a difference because you're always competing against another company. So what are you going to be good, better at? So that's the key. So, 
All right. It was a great conversation, really great seeing Orrin again. Um, I'm so glad that he's, his companies have done really, really well. He's always been a thought leader and, um, and it, it, it shows. So um, I'd like to thank again, Orrin uh, Klopper from NetSurit. It's N-E-T-S-U-R-I-T for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Please also give us a five-star review if you like today's podcast or any of the other podcasts. It really helps us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Orin, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Probably LinkedIn is, is easiest. Just go on LinkedIn and message me there. I'm very responsive. Yeah, and his name is spelled O-R-R-I-N, last name Klopper, C, I'm sorry, K-L-O-P-P-E-R. Again, K-L-O-P-P-E-R. And Orin, it was, it was great seeing you again and catching up. Yes. And, um, and uh, you know, I wish you the best of luck as well. Yeah, thank you so much, Steve. Amazing to reconnect with you. And I already did my summary, which I usually did at the end of the night. Well, not my summary, my hint, uh, my my uh, advice. And my advice is, you know, creating a company culture, make you know, it, it really is a key uh, to uh, helping you. And you know, listen, if I see companies, the the objective of this podcast is to help you to get over ten million because then you become acquisition targets, and. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think the companies that have a culture defined and really work on it are the ones that get over 10 million. So I think it's a key ingredient in that. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, everybody have a great day. It was good. Great, great podcast. It was very fascinating to me. Have a good day, everybody. We'll see you later. Mm-hmm.